Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding yourself out in the woods, but with a huge uh, gold uh, platinum credit card. Is there a Dick Sporting Goods out here? Because, yeah, I need some food. We're, we're going to be talking about glamping big time. Gl- glamping? Okay. Glamour camping. Oh, oh yeah, glamping. That's the term. Yeah. I didn't know. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about camping, uh, you know, whether it, you know, uh, and and or expedition travel using, you know, high tech solutions. Uh, it's the yep. same problem I have every time I talk about the gravity motor on the Fringe Pass in Fringeworthy. John uh-huh. Ryer. And you know how nerdy John Ryer was. John Ryer just kept telling me that he can't operate like that. It's a violation of physics. And I kept telling him, no, John, I, 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 you know, I I can do physics. (laughs) So, uh, but anyways, uh, I I won't go into that for our audience, but the point was, is that, you know, you had, he finally accepted the fact he says you have something that doesn't exist anywhere else. You have a gravity shear on the edge of the fringe pass where there's no gravity on the outside and on the roadway, there's actually gravity. And so it therefore creates a gravity shear, which makes this thing work under no other circumstances would this thing work except where there's a gravity shear. And I, and I said, yes, that's exactly right. You know, I'm not trying to make it work off the fringe pass. It only works on the fringe pass for the, for the very reason of the fit. I'm, I'm optimizing for the physics that are there, you know, and he's, he just shook his head and says, okay, Bruce, I'll believe you, but it just feels wrong. <laughs> I, I'll admit, cause I remember reading that in infinite crossroads and I'm like, what? Uh, uh-huh. like, yes. But what about friction? What about, but, but then I thought about it. It's like, well, no, I mean, like, Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. See, and and you know, I I really wish that I had uh, made some models up. You know, just just for just for demonstration, so people could. When I went to conventions, people could hold them. But you know, no one. I mean, I I put a whole lot of of power generators that were using the weirdness of the fringe pass. You know, um, and um, everybody was just kind of like you know, no, nobody actually responded at all. It was just this dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like I walked into a room with a tinfoil hat. I swear, it was just, ah, odd. Yeah. it was just odd. Okay, anyway, I think the thing was it sounded so much like a perpetual motion machine. Which, it does, but it is shouldn't work. Yeah, but again, you're also dealing with a, a location that has altered physics. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you can explain how you can have a gravity shear, then then it all then the physics, I'm sure, would all make sense. But you can't. But it exists. So therefore, yeah. okay, it's like um, uh, it's like the uh, you know the, the atheist you know in the uh, in uh, from dusk till dawn you know he's he's in the uh, bar they've just fought vampires okay uh, 
you know, and and they're 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 oh, hiding in this room and they're trying to wrap their heads around what just happened. And he says, "Okay," he says, "I can tell you right now, I don't believe in vampires. Vampires don't exist. But I know what I just I I, I believe what I just saw. So I'm going to act on what I saw, not on what I believe." <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Harvey Keitel. Wonderful acting yeah. job oh, for yes, that. Yes, yeah. yes. The whole movie is basically a, I mean, well, it's a wonderful movie done in the most uh, grindhouse exploitive way possible. Yeah. <laughs> Two yeah. words, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino was the reason for that. Saw, yeah. yeah, everything yeah. about that movie was like super good and super sleazy at the same time, so... Yeah, and he's one of the major roles in it. Yes, yeah. he, he plays one of the major roles in uh, uh, creepy, one of the creepiest guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, anyways, uh, so like I said, you know, producing heat is really easy. All you need is electricity. Okay, you know, you can produce tons of heat. Okay, um, and and heat, by the way, is a is a wonderful way of producing electricity. Uh, some of the high. Uh, some of the high-tech uh, pots and pans and things like that that you can uh, buy these days is is it uh, you it, it's basically it's like a big tin, uh, tin can. It's meant you put wood in it, you know, sticks and things like that, and you put a, a thing on the top to put act as your cooking service. And basically, it lets air come in the bottom. It basically, creates it what's called a, a chimney flame, and uh, it burns really efficiently. All right. What they've done though is that they've also put thermistors, which are two pieces of metal that are dissimilar. And when heat goes to one side, one, one piece of metal, it causes an electron flow to the other. You therefore have a generator. And they use it to like recharge your phone or recharge your uh, tablet or whatever you might have that's real, you know, I mean, you can make these really big. Okay, but I mean, if you're if you're going to have to burn things for heat, you might as well get some stuff out of it. You might as well, as you said, Jonathan, you might as well get your water purified. You might as well, uh, uh, you know, get the uh, uh, you know, get some light going. You know, yeah, recharge lanterns, recharge, recharge your lanterns. You know, cook your food. You know, all that stuff. You know, I mean. As much as a campfire is very picturesque, it's not the most efficient way of, of of doing any of those things. Okay, which is the reason why they came out with the potbelly stove way back in the the primitive, you know, um, uh, pioneer times. Yeah, furnace, a furnace as opposed to a campfire for smelting uh, metals, and yeah, I mean, yeah, a campfire itself is not an effective means of anything. But it it's a good first start. But then, yeah, you're yeah. If you have the the technology and the means to do something better, yeah, do that something better. Yeah, yeah. Unless I mean, you just like I like a fire, I like to sit around a fire and just yeah. look at it. See but, me, me. I never, you know. I mean, I know they were always saying that yeah, a fire will drive off animals and things like that. I always said no, it's going to attract animals. But what you can do then is you can reach over, grab a stick. Okay, that's on fire and throw it at that animal. Yeah, and, or at least point it at them, and they'll realize. Okay, no. Just, yeah. yeah. Um, my my son uh, uh, on one of his first camping trips. You know, he, he and his buddies became the became the masters of fire and smoke. 
and they were grabbing sticks and running around the woods. We were we all the fathers had after all the boys finally got tuckered out and went in their tents. We all had to get up and start walking around the woods looking for any errant embers that might because they were taking these sticks and beating them against trees and you could yeah you could oh, see God. all the sparks coming <laughs> off and falling to the ground and you know oh. fortunately it wasn't after like a really dry spell it had rained yeah. relatively yeah. recently but we were real careful to walk around because we didn't want to wake up in the middle of a fire a uh, uh, burning forest either so so we had to do that but uh they yeah fire is great i mean there's something visceral about fire oh you know? yeah no um and, well, Fern, yeah, Fern and I do bonfires, and of course, I work at a lumber company for wood molding, so we have scrap wood all the time. Granted, it's that treated wood you would use, but still, we have a running thing. I do the fire as far as the grill. She does the bonfire because she lived in a house that had wood heat back in the day. So she got real good at starting fires and everything, and just, yeah, that's our... But no, there is something visceral about sitting around a bonfire. Yes, you have all these gadgets that, oh, fire, it'll make electricity. But there's it, it's it's primal. I guess that's the best way to describe it. And that it's is, just, yeah, that's how we started. And just it's hearkening back to it. I hate to sound hyperbolic and maudlin, but to a much simpler time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'd say that that kind of does help for the last priority we'll talk about later uh, as far as morale and mental attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely fires are good for morale. I mean, you feel the warmth from it. You know, it's not the best way of keeping you warm, but it it, it just gives you that feeling of, I don't know, comfort. You know, it, yeah. it oh, does. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's why I'm going camping is because I'm. It is a stress relief for me that I'm done with the Easter candy season now because yeah. for, <laughs> for those listeners who haven't already heard, I, I work merchandising for a candy company so from october or from halloween until easter my butt is working hard non-stop and now the summer is here and easter is over i actually get a little bit of a a little bit of a, a a relaxing time at work now i don't have to work quite as hard and and i like to celebrate i'm going to celebrate by going camping and and burning marshmallow peeps <laughs> i'm saying goodbye to easter by burning peeps yeah, there you go. Hey, even better yet, try to, you know, get some uh, chocolate and graham crackers. Make yourself some monster s'mores. I've yeah. thought about that. Uh, but some of the peeps I have are weird flavors, like Dr. Pepper peeps. Oh, 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 oh. I mean, I'm going to try it, but I don't expect one, one other One other thing, and then we'll get back on topic, because heaven forbid we here on this podcast do tangents. Well, they just get into that anyway. A s'more with a Reese's cup. Instead of Hershey's. Yes. Anyways, okay, we're gonna get back on track here. That could that could survive. Yeah, yeah. All right. We were doing first aid next. Um. Okay. Well, uh, a couple. Yeah. Let's let's talk about first aid. Okay. Here's uh one of the things that I've been expecting and that I haven't seen, but I think that if you that if you go a little bit more into the future, you're gonna have it. Is a smart system where you. You're like, oh, I'm going to go and put my tent here, okay? And you see all these plants. And you go and take a picture of those plants. And it, and you have a AI that says, oh, yeah, that's poison sumac. Uh, we already have something like that, and it's something I found out about in 2021 called Google Lens. If you have your smartphone, take a picture. It'll tell you what. It'll match it up to, like, millions of other pictures out there on the Internet. Oh, no, that's sumac or that's oak or whatever or ivy or, yeah. So we already kind of have something like that. Well, good. 
because yeah. you know but that requires internet access. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> so what? Everybody thank Jonathan for ruining my thing. Thanks. No, Jonathan. but that's the point. Like if we, yeah. if we had something like a, a local database where you know it was it stored all that data as opposed to having to look it up on the internet yeah. and compare. But it, it but we don't have to, sir. We we have these things called satellites, and there's satellite internet. I mean, yeah. mo- most people don't want to pay for it because it's expensive, and it's not. Okay. There's not a lot up. I mean, and there's not a lot of up and down. I mean, there's more down than up, but it exists. Yeah, te- technically, we have very few. What do they call them? Black zones on the planet. Oh yeah, if we're talking about Earth, but again, what if we're talking yeah, about yeah, a, yeah. an alien planet or an uh, an alternate right. Earth that hasn't developed satellite. Well, you're assuming, humans. therefore, that you're bringing your database with you. Then that's what I yeah. mean. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah. have some, if you have a database, you know that that's compacted, or you know you have enough processing power, or whoever. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's yeah. All, I'm saying. all right. <laughs> well, Again, if we're talking about high tech, I would I would actually very much assume that you probably have a a, a device that yeah has a you know enough processing power that yeah you just take a picture of it and it looks up on a database probably taking up maybe one tenth of the storage space on your smart device whatever you have with you and 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 compares to all known you know plant life terran and alien well i would i would hope so like you say uh or at least you know uh, and and then other things too, you know, like you know maybe uh, uh, you know maybe purpose-built uh, drones or robots that would travel out through the area, touching things and maybe seeing whether or not there's toxins and other types of things like that. You know, there's no reason why you can't have you know your drones do something more than just race around or uh, you know. Take pictures. Do recon, yeah. You know, just and I mean just take pictures. I mean, there's lots of other things. Oh, and speaking sample wildlife and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of first aid, you know, one of the best ways of keep uh, uh, of not getting something like malaria is not getting bit. Oh yeah. Okay. There are uh, there is a solution that is that has been effectively used uh, in a large compound down in you know Mexico and further south. Where they have a laser, they, it's not a laser grid. They have a, basically uh, lasers that are uh, put in a perimeter, uh, and each of the lasers are designed to cover a certain amount of the perimeter. And what they do is that they have sensors, uh, infrared sensors, and the infrared sensors look for the heat that's in like mosquito wings because you know they're flapping their wings, therefore you know, heat's being produced. And compared to the outside air, it's going to be a little bit warmer. Yeah. Right? Well, it's enough, apparently, for them to be able to target. And they're literally able to clear all the mosquitoes out of an area and keep them out. Basically, once you get them clear, then they use, you you know, I mean, I don't know whether you're using infrared lasers or or, uh, probably ultraviolet lasers or whatever. Something that isn't like... um, you know, uh, something that's not going to, you don't see, in other words. You, know, you don't constantly see this, like, light. So basically, it's a light array that's a bug zapper. Right. It's a bug zapper using lasers. Oh, I want to see that. I love bug zappers. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, and so, you know, in I've areas that. a long time. Yeah. yeah wow. In areas that are endemic with, you know, and you, 
And, and, and you know, if you don't know which are the dangerous bugs and the, and, the, and the okay bugs, well, you can kill all the bugs. It's not ecologically sound, I grant you, but I'm just saying is, is it if you're traveling and you just need to, you know, you need to make sure a certain area is secure, then, you know, uh, and of if course, you're not looking to, to live there forever, if you're just looking to visit. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and, and larger animals, you know, like things like bats and birds and things like that, if they come into the area, it won't, it won't kill them. But I mean, if someone suddenly stuck you with, you know, lit a match, blew the match out and stuck you with it, you'd probably go, Hey, <laughs> and maybe go someplace else. So it well, could yeah. also be a, a relatively effective deterrent against things that weren't actively trying to penetrate the area. Okay. So right. anyways, it exists. So I'm saying there's, this is a, you know, I always, you know, I have two solutions when it comes to bugs. Okay. One would be that, which doesn't, which I don't have. And I, but I would like to have it, but I do have a solution, which is ultrasonic. Okay. Oh yeah. They use that to get rid of, you can buy that. Heck, I think what, $150 on Amazon, you can get one for like your house or apartment that gets rid of, Ticks, fleas, bed bugs, all that stuff, and just yeah. Well, the one I have basically um, goes around my dog's neck because we oh, have yeah, those. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a no. We have a Star Trek door, dog door, where he comes near it, and the ultra the ultrasonic thing sends a signal out, and the door goes and then just like Star Trek, you know, the door goes up and down, I and my cat. Yeah, and uh, you know, which is which is. The coolest thing to see, you know, but, uh, and he wears his collar and it runs off of a single three volt, you know, little disc battery. All right. Yeah. We discovered that after we put that on him and he, you know, he go in and out, he stopped getting ticks. He stopped getting fleas. He, we no longer had to put any of those poisons on our dog or cats. They just had to wear the collars. And so when Aww. I went to, when I went to Africa a couple, you know, a couple summers ago, uh, and uh, and I, we were worried about malaria and other types of things down there. I wore one of those around my wrist. Aha! I don't know if it helped, but I didn't. I didn't get malaria. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I took all the medications, of course. But I'm just yeah. saying is that I was not taking any chances, you know. And I, and the, this thing is like you know the the waterproof version of it goes for forty bucks, and the batteries, of course, last about three months each, you know. Yeah. So I'm just saying is, is that, you know, it's a rel as a personal deterrent for a lot of insects, ultrasonic works. And, you know, and I used to think, and this is one of those things where I, I gave the look where I said, oh, this has got to be some kind of a scam, you know, because they, they show some, you know, some bug going, ah! you know, like <laughs> running away, you know, and the guys, you know, got the ultrasonic thing, you know, and. I always thought it was just a scam. It was just one other thing that people were selling to try to, you know, um, you know, to, to, to keep things away. But you know, it, it's it does work against uh, ticks and fleas for sure. Okay, so I don't know about mosquitoes, uh, and uh, uh, which doesn't actually affect me because I have a mutant ability that uh, mosquitoes don't bite me if there's anybody else around for them to bite. <laughs> You're automatically the the least appealing. Yes. <laughs> yes, and thank you for putting it that way. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there's, uh, you know, it's 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 funny. My 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 uh, my wife and my son they get eaten alive by mosquitoes, and I'm like, 
there's mosquitoes. And they go, we hate you. <laughs> oh, no, that, I'm, I'm on Amazon right now, and they got, like, ultrasonic pest repeller indoor for roach, rodent, mouse, bug, mosquito, yeah. 36 bucks. Yeah, I think that maybe that gets a little bit too much. You know, I mean, they're, they're overselling, you know, some... That's the sort of I'm thing that makes me think it's not real. On, you yeah. can get these readily. Folks. Right. Yeah. But I'm just saying, rather than basically filling the entire air, I mean, let's face it. You know, the way you used to do it, you used to go out and you used to fog the entire area. You used yeah. to spray the inside yeah. of your yep. tent, okay? You used yep. to smear DEET and off all over yourself. And you, you know, it, and you all know what it tastes like when you get that in your mouth. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, we got we to, gotta, because we got, you know, in Burr's backyard during the fire pit, we're, you know, coating the kids down, putting it on us. And yeah, yeah. Just after a while, we go to bed, we're like, oh. Right. <laughs> With so the sweat and everything, yeah. Right, and this is one of the reasons why some people like fires is because they'll put you know things like leaves and wetter wetter things on them, and it causes smoke that goes around the area. It does help drive away some of the insects. Okay. Oh yeah. So I'm just saying there are better solutions than oh, that, yeah. and uh, and and there and these and, and it, the fact that they happen to be high tech is just a bonus, right? You know. Uh, high tech solutions are, you know, wearing clothing that is bug proof, uh, wearing, uh, uh, using like ultrasonic or lasers to kill bugs or other types of creepy crawlers that you don't want anywhere near you. Those are great too, you know. And so, it's definitely something that I would want in my high tech camping, you know, setup. All right. So uh, as far as uh, first aid is concerned. You know, uh, they don't really have good solutions for that sort of thing that are high tech. I mean, you know, there's things you can do now. Like, I mean, you, you, you other than the thing that gets your heart going, I forget, it's, it's three letters. I can't remember what it's called. You know what I'm talking about. What, a defib machine or? Yeah, it is, know, but the, they have the a special clear. name. Has a special not name. E, a, a, a something, you know. Anyways, where you basically, yeah. you turn it on and it walks you through, you know, restarting somebody's heart that you know that's laying there okay yeah it's like but, a backpack sized you right. know defibrillator that yeah it's not even a backpack size i mean we're talking no it's yeah it's yeah we're talking about something the size of a woman's purse really yeah yeah okay. it, yeah i've seen i've seen demonstrations of it yeah it, it it gives you step-by-step vocal instructions on what to do to right to hook it up to a person and and help keep their heart beating and all you got to do is come in and you know give them um not the chest compressions, but the breath part of CPR every so often. Well, assuming they don't wake up right away. And just, yeah, excuse just, me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, because you know, they, 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 they do tell you to get, <laughs> you want to get clear because it is electrical. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and those are, and that's something you can easily carry, too. So, you know, um, and if you're... And if you're going to go long distances, things can happen. You can you can get what's called anaphylactic shock, which is a uh, a reaction to yeah. coming across something toxic. Okay, and yes, you can go ahead and pull out that that uh, EpiPen and slam it into you, and uh, or you know, worst case scenario, the uh, uh, the epinephrine into the heart. Uh, but still, you might need something to like you know get the heart going and keep it going. Okay. Uh, so this kind of device is a good thing to have along. Okay. But outside of that, um, I don't know of any really good, uh, high tech 
things other than inflatable splints um, and some of the bracing that they have available that are can be really helpful if you like hurt yourself while you're traveling. Mm. Yeah, and, I, and yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we're <clears throat> talking about just high tech healthcare in general, like auto docs and yeah. Well, yeah, if you go far enough into the future and you can bring along an auto dock, then that's great. (laughs) Yeah. You know, basically it's an operating room, you know, in a, in a coffin, you know, you just shove them into it and they let, they let it, you know, you know, uh, in Bureau 13, I added this thing called the bio bag, which was essentially a coffin. And the idea of it was to, we want, we, someone has suffered lethal damage and we want them to get to a hospital, but we need to keep them alive long enough to get to a hospital because, you know, you might be fighting monsters or you might be out in the woods somewhere, or maybe it's just, you know, not, you're not in a city and a hospital isn't like a couple of miles away. Maybe it's 40, 50 miles away and there's no way you're going to get there. You know, the injury is so bad that you just can't just start the heart, do chest compressions, expect to do any good. So what this thing did was kind of like the other device, walked you through basically attaching a per- the major arteries in the person's throat to this device. And it basically acted like a heart, you know, a, a heart lung pump for the brain, the brain only. Ah. Okay. The, re- the rest of the body was wrapped you know, in a in a, a a membrane, and they which they pump cryogenic fluid through to lower the body temperature to the point where you wouldn't die for lack of oxygen. The body wouldn't die for lack of oxygen. So the idea was is that you get to a hospital, and then they you know they they warm you up, you know, uh, the body up, or they they get the heart going, so the body the heart starts doing, and then you detach from the. Uh, from from the device, and it was it was literally there to keep people that should be dead from being dead. So you can find uh, the bio bag in uh, uh, in Outpost Games uh, stocking the Steel City back in the equipment section. But uh, that was the that was the best solution I could come up with outside of like you know uh, combat drugs, where it's just like this this insane mix of uh, uh, PCP and uh, amphetamines and and anti-shock drugs that are supposed to keep you going, even though you suffered a wound that should make you want to lay down and go sleepy by. But you know, oh, but that, <laughs> but that crash, you're gonna come down. Oh yeah, yeah, that. serious well, crash. You'll crash yeah. at a bed tender or a hospital, but yeah, right, right. So, but I'm, I'm just saying, is that you medically, you know, we we got we got good stuff. I mean, we got bandages that are that won't come off in in water and and uh, you know, uh, steak bite. Still not good. Uh, the best the solution for snake bikes now are to wrap an ace bandage on the outside of the wound to basically isolate the poison in that area of the body without letting it get to the heart. You know, the whole yeah. sucking it out does no. That's not a solution. You know, and they they're also and they're trying to keep you from using a uh, uh, damaging you know the the, the 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 veins and arteries by using a tourniquet. So that's where they, they say yeah. wrap a, an ace bandage on either side of the wound to isolate it, you know, and and then, of course, get the person to a, a hospital as soon as possible. Yeah, we're usually a lot of hospitals, especially if they know that they're in an area with, mm-hmm. oh, look, there's a lot of, you know, these type of snake. Most major hospitals and clinics will have the anti-venom for that particular indigenous type of snake. Actually, so, funny, funny thing about that, they don't. 
Okay, there really? is one, there is one type of snake antivenom that's used for all snake bites. Okay, so it's just they have like a overall. Oh, yes, okay. oh, they right. have an overall one. Or you, you, if you get, uh, I mean, if you get bit by a rattlesnake or a copperhead, they're going to give you the same antivenom. Okay, well that's good then. It okay. is good. That means uh, you can pack I'm gonna, it. <laughs> um, I'm going to do the voice. There have been significant te significant technological advances in snake bite treatment technology. Yeah. Um, no, it just, I figured, I always heard that you had to get the right antivenom for the right snake, and if there's a snake prevalent in certain areas, hospitals would have that venom. Now, if it's a snake from another environment, then they're like, oh, crap, we got to call another hospital and have them ship it here. And yeah, okay, I didn't know they had a, a broad-spectrum antivenom is what the term I was looking for. Okay, cool. And this is why I don't go out in the woods, folks. I'm either at work or at, here at Command Central. Yeah. Never mind, I have a county park behind me. Yeah. And I live in the woods. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> See, if you do it, it's nice. For me, it's cultural profiling. We don't we are we don't condone that here in the podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I am allowed to, to use that that Well sound. yeah. See, it's like I can make Pollock and autistic jokes, you know, yeah, yeah. Um but no, it just <laughs> Oh yeah. See, uh, well, what, what do I what do I say at work? See, I can say it's fine. You say it. We're in the office with an HR moment. Yeah. I, uh, I'm just saying, is it is the conjoining Pol Polish and autistic? I, I just they're rare, but I'm sure they're out. There. I, I just thought that yeah. was uh, that that was a little bit shady, even so. <laughs> well, see, again, I could say it. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm not you know, much fun much like you know. Uh, you know, conjoining uh, redneck with um, you know incest, right, uh, okay, Jonathan? See, yeah, yeah, they are. The wow. Same. Okay, we just went down a dark path where that we'll Podme doesn't want to follow. Yeah. Now, Way to go, Anakin. Let's let's anyway. shine some light and 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 go somewhere else with this topic. Yes. Okay. So food production. All right. Um, of course, hunter gathering, but you never know what you're going to get. You know, if you're on an alien yeah. world or something, you don't know if that animals, you know, because, uh, the reason that people don't eat shark, I know they eat shark fin soup and stuff like that, but the main reason that, that people don't eat shark is because, and, uh, the way that sharks, uh, keep themselves from dehydrating because they're in a salt solution. Yeah. Okay is they build up the waste products that normally in human beings get excreted through our kidneys. They build that up in their blood. So oh, it, yeah. It, oh, you would not want to eat shark flesh then. Well, there's a solution to it, which is you take the shark meat and you basically put it in brine and let it dissolve let the, the stuff dissolve out and do it repeatedly until you lower the tonicity to the point where it's just salty meat now. And then oh, it's you kind of like the same principle of like you're washing rice to get all the starch out. Okay. Sure. Yeah. But you don't yeah. just, you know, you, I mean, there's lots of fish out there, you know, where if you were to catch it, you know, you're, you're on a, uh, uh you're shipwrecked. You, you catch a fish and you just pull it up and just, you know, just bite right into the side of it. And it's good tasting, um, uh, swordfish, let's say something, yeah. which I'm sure it'd be smaller than that. Swordfish are huge, but anyways, yeah, you just, you know, you can eat raw fish. It's fine. You know, it's sushi. It's great. Okay. Yeah. You do not do that with shark because you'd be like, ah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, and that's the problem whenever you're on alien world where you don't know what might the animals or the plants might have. Okay. So, Food production 
for your own, you know, outside of what you're carrying with you, the freeze-dried, the, the uh, uh, you know, probably freeze-dried mostly, you know, depending upon how much water you have, you know, the MREs, all that kind of stuff like that. Once you actually have to start producing food for yourself, then that grown is is the way that a lot of uh, a lot of science fiction has gone. Yeah. Um, as as an example, uh, the Matrix. Yeah, that gloop that kind of looked like runny oatmeal. Yeah. Right. That they ate size. on the Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> yeah. Chicken. Yeah. Right. But as as they said, it has all the essential amino acids and the nutrients that, that a person needs in order to keep going through their day. You know, uh, lots of science fiction talked about Franken chicken, where there was literally this giant vat, and they had this, this, basically this. It was basically a, a couple inch thick muscle tissue from a chicken, okay, that was over the whole top of it, and they would like grow it to a certain thickness, or they would just cut off what they needed, and it would grow back in again because underneath of it was all nutrients, and so you know it was this this strange Frankenstein looking thing with with you know it's chicken flesh, but it has uh, veins and stuff going. <laughs> Into down into the 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 the. the so it's kind of like the chicken you would see on like a shawarma spire as it's spinning around. You're just shaving it off, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, they they make those, but you know that's actually you know constructed you know food. But well, they yeah. just grow it on the spit instead of you know putting it on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cell culture taken to the umpth degree. Right. And there's another movie which which name i cannot remember where it was all about people eating the flesh of their favorite uh, stars movie stars especially you know and people literally would you know would the stars would make deals with these contractors and they would give them like you know a, a, some of you know some you know s s a sample of their muscle tissue or whatever, and they would grow it. And then you could go to you could go to like a Subway's, okay, and you say, "I'd like the, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I'll uh, take a foot long Anthony Hopkins, yeah, so, or yeah, a that, Diana Ross, just, or you know, so. yeah." And, Can I get and, a Burt Backrack on rye? Yeah, and 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 they were perfectly fine with it. It was perfectly okay in their culture to do that. We're we we the audience are looking at going. Eh, but you know, for them, they'd already accepted it. They thought it was fine. So that was part of their culture, and uh, so much so that uh, that you could even will your body to these industries, uh, so that you could continue to serve your fans after your death, or rather, other people would serve you to the fans. Yeah, yeah. That's why I that, that, that way. that's a creepy thought, <laughs> right? Yeah. But background food, you know, is something that we're heading for. I mean, there's, uh, you know, the, we we already have background meat, um, uh, and, uh, and you can print food on a 3D printer. I found out. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So that's but you know you still have to get the thing that you print. So Yo, just, yeah, yeah. Right. But still, I'm just I'm, because, you know, my former roommate, uh, Planet, who used to be a co-host and a fellow D, uh, Dementia Radio DJ, there's a maker space in Ferndale, suburban Detroit, off 8 Mile, called I3 Detroit. And he walked me through, and of course, he's a graphic arts major, you know, he got his, you know, bachelor's in graphic arts. And so he's walking me by the 3D printer, and of course I see, and I've known Matt now for like 20 years, and his face just lights up. I'm like, wait a minute. They gave you the keys to I3 Detroit, and there's a 3D printer, and just Matt, I know, right? And then we start talking about printing food. He goes, I'm not cleaning the printer after. No, no, 
No. And I'm like, it wouldn't be that appetizing. And we're talking about this. He's walking me through the rest of the tour. It's like, oh, no, this is a thing. You're, you're, and I'm like, yeah, 3D bread or a 3D cracker. I, I don't even want to get into like, like flesh based, you know, like, yeah, I printed a whole hamburger. Here's your patty. There's the buns. There's the condiments. There you go. It's like, wait, no. Bless you. Thank you. But yeah, apparently 3D printable food. Mm-hmm. Now there would be there would be something to take with you out if you had to go and do, oh, the alien world, and we used our solar charger to get all that going. And okay, print us dinner. Yeah. Well, just think about what goes into like a hamburger. Okay. You know, you you uh, uh, you have a. It's not just a piece of you know a monolithic piece of meat, meat of protein. Okay. I mean, you've got you got fat in pockets in there. You've got bits oh, yeah, of yeah, gristle. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, that gives texture and, and yeah. substance to it. So this this 3D printer is going to have to print some gristle. It's going to have to print some fat in between, yeah. you know, the the the, the parts and, and probably some kind, something to give it more texture than just the proteins themselves, okay? So, and then when they're all done with, you end up with a patty of some kind. That theoretically, you can then cook like a regular hamburger yeah. patty and end up with a hamburger. Um yeah, and 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 we're not even gonna get into the whole chicken nugget thing and what that is. Cue the Paul and Storm dementia song, Nugget Man. Well, anyway, yeah, I, I, yeah. we're already talking yeah. about the vac grown chicken. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And and that was a staple, by the way, in science fiction. The future, you know, the people who did couldn't afford, you know, the exotic things like, you know. Killed animal beef. Yeah, yeah killed you animals. The, you know, you they get the synth beef and or right. no, they met, Rich mentioned that in uh, FTL. Yeah, you you have a Tugan there eating a whole haunch of synth cow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But no, it's like that. That was the thing about uh, a lot of science fiction back even in the eighties with FTL because I ran that FTL campaign. I'm like reading through this prep for synth beef, vat grown beef. Okay, cloned beef. Yeah, I could see that and. I've read in other stories where it's, yeah, no, no, the, the haves up in their 200-story penthouses that they have everything delivered to them and they don't go to the streets because that's where all the have-nots are. Yeah, they get the real beef, and it's considered an exotic delicacy because, and then, of course, you go into a whole Soylent Green thing and all that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Think of uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which, I mean, I don't know if this is accurate, but just my memory of that game was riding elevators, seeing ads for their synth meat tubes yeah. of synth meat. And I, sw- I, I want to say in my head that the ads said, you know, 100% not human. Like you have to make, you have to make a point about that. <laughs> the fact that you're saying it's not puts that seed of doubt in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that we noticed that the synth meat is more of the dystopian futures than the sparkling far future, like FTL or easy space or, yeah, you're hoping that it's decently composed. Yeah. Mm. No, it just I, I notice that 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 the synth beef and the the fake meat and the real meat is more a dystopian science fiction. Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know, and remember in the whole Hechi saga, everybody was eating. Well, no, they weren't. I was gonna say they were. Um, uh, no, yeah, they were. They were eating basically by uh, various byproducts of yeast that was grown on petroleum because petroleum was too valuable to burn in like car engines. It was actually used as a feedstock for this particular brand of yeast. So, and everybody ate that because nope, there just were just too many people and 
not enough food. I am trying to. Th- we've been talking about all this surviving in wilderness and dealing with food and shelter and whatnot. And there is a movie I'm trying to. It's a science fiction movie, and it will come to me. And hopefully, folks, it'll come to me before we shut off the recorder. But yeah, it just I I with food. No, there was something out of all the stuff I had, and they called it a chemalizer, where it detects poisons and the chemical composition, and if mm-hmm. there's any pharmaceutical type, like oh, you're in the Amazon, or an Amazon-like place, and oh, you touch, you know, get it within this flower. Oh, it has, you know, this this type of plant has natural acetaminophen. It can be used as pain relief, and mm-hmm. yeah, that would be something you would want. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. just, you know, oh, tricorder does it. Yeah, but it, a chemical analyzer, and I think they do have one in um, FTL. Well, there's one that actually exists today, which is about the size of a uh, uh, what used to be called a briefcase, and uh, it, it, had, it was a chemical analyzer that you'd plug a computer into it, and what you do is that you take uh, whatever you wanted a, a sample, and you would dissolve it into a solution, and you stick it in this thing, you know, just like 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 you would in like one of those high-tech laboratories at a hospital, and it would vaporize it and send it through, and it would just basically show you all the chemical compounds that were in it. And then it would run that against a database of, co- of common you know, chemicals and come back and say, hey, this is what we found. And it was... It was kind of rem- yeah. Kind of reminds me of my my CJ days, criminalistics, and what was it? Chromatic gas chromatograph and a spectrometer, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like yeah. a souped-up version of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, and so yeah, I mean, but it was the the point was that it was able to identify specific compounds without you know without you having any expectations. Okay, and having to use exactly the right reagents. You know, it's, and so. Uh, and that was the the beauty of it. You could you know you, you you had if you wanted to see whether like the blood of a, of an animal you know, analyze the blood of an animal you could do that. If you wanted to analyze the uh, what was on the surface of these plants, is it poisonous? You could do that. So it was a nice generalized thing. You know, very high tech. You know, very yeah. expensive. And uh, it was on one of those shows where you know in you know see the future, but it was a real thing. It was, you know it was it was, it was a the company was was mar you know was was in the process of developing it to market it, but they actually had this to show. So um, yeah, that would that would be great if you could go do that. Now, of course, if you're traveling, you're probably going to be running. You know, how many millions of things are you going to run into? You can't test everything. Yeah, you know, that's where those tricorders would be wonderful, right? Just, yeah, just yeah. keep buzzing around. Wait a minute, you said something about. They used to call it what? They don't have briefcases anymore. I have not seen somebody use a briefcase in decades. That's true. The only time I see a briefcase now is the dancing briefcase guys in the parades. I think we have them here at the the, the Detroit Macy's yeah. downtown parade. We have every Thanksgiving, which is like along with the New York City one, the yeah. other one that y'all see on TV because we yeah. just it's been that. Yeah, th- that's true. That's the only time I ever see briefcases. Yeah. The guy doing it like yeah. you know marine rifles and you know. I think they've right. been replaced by what we call messenger bags now backpacks yeah. satchels you know things yeah. things that are designed for people who travel you know like that. yeah i've got yeah um soft sides as opposed to hard sides yeah fur got me one it's all nice leather with zipper 
papers and everything right. because yeah, my computer bag still works, but she got this for me yeah. because it looks better. It's also because we stopped using people stopped wearing suits, generally speaking. I mean, sure some people still do, but a lot of people stopped doing that. So putting a backpack on a suit, it always makes the suit look terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. putting a backpack on somebody who's already wearing a hoodie or something like that, no big deal. You know, oh so. yeah, no. My my daughter's an engineer, and I've gotten the almost almost yelled at by my kid because you know I'm still you know with job hunting and everything. I've noticed all the office culture has changed. Oh no, Dad, they allow tattoos, and yeah, we're coming in and you know t-shirts and all this. And I'm like, what the heck happened when I was the, the old job? No, no, my kid can walk around with a septum piercing, and I'm just like, oh wow, this is an office, huh? You're you're thirty dollars an hour for an engineer, and you're, wow, okay, kid, yeah. So, yeah, I could see where just briefcases, it's probably more, what, what's the term, an aesthetic choice. Again, like you said, trying to wear a three-piece suit and you have a backpack on. Yeah, just yeah, I could see why briefcases kind of got, as they say, went the way of the dodo. Well, I think and just the fact that we've moved to, you know, digital tools like laptops and tablets that... We don't need to carry around. You need paper. you need softer bags in order to carry them, protect them, and carry all your peripherals in. And yeah. And yeah, any you know, you, all your papers are your laptop now. And so, okay. Yeah, you, okay. as long as you can carry that around safely, you're you're golden. And then okay. yeah, soft bag for that. And then if you do have anything else you need to carry, just stick it in the same bag. Yeah. Okay, another movie about survival in an alien environment. I was trying to remember the name. I used to watch Enemy Mine. Oh. oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Louis Gossett Jr. Dennis Quaid. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. If you want to find, I mean, granted, it's 1985, but still, it's a very good symbolization of um, trying to survive on an alien world. You're trying to get food, shelter, water, protection, and you're basically it's two opposing a human and a reptiloid uh, fighter pilots crash on an alien world, and not only is it a really good thing about trying to get survival and all this i mean powerhouse performances by both quaid and gossett so that's another source you can look up and try to <laughs> and and the movie went from one type of movie to an entirely different movie yeah 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 because it... <laughs> it started off being like you know like a war movie a war movie right and, and and coming to terms with the humanity or whatever you want to call it just our aliens you know of my enemy to i'm 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 coming to get my lost kid <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, if you want to find something, though, about survival in an alien environment, I do suggest it, the term Trav approved movie, Enemy Mine, as it says, from 1985. Dennis Quaid, Louis Gossett Jr. Not seeing any other really. Yeah, those are the two really big names in that movie. So, yeah, that was. Uh, I knew I'd find it before we were done. Okay. Um, no, uh, but no, food production, or not so much food production, food gathering, mm -hmm. yeah, that would be, um, yeah, you, you would either have to have some type of database or just knowledge of being a naturalist where, okay, I know this is poisonous, this isn't. Mm -hmm. food you have to do this to prepare it yeah. if it's meat and yeah you can't eat this particular thing what's the yeah what's, that what's the best way to protect yourself against that sort of thing when it comes to food have friends try it first well yeah I mean, second best <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> fire yeah Al kill it with fire almost yeah, no or, almost okay, all fire. the things we're talking about okay a except yeah. for things like you know heavy metals all right. The, they're primarily their proteins or their bacteria or there's something like that. And you put you apply fire 
to these things and it denatures the proteins and, and they're basically become safe. Yeah. So, you know, unless you've got one of these weird things where everything is reversed, you know, molecules in your body can't digest them. Okay. Uh, stewing food, you know, taking, taking, put, putting it in water, stewing it for an hour, basically making soup stew, you know, uh, making sure you get all the way through, cut pieces up into small pieces. You know, you, most of the time you'll be able to eat that. So fire, that's where fire becomes essential for your survival. Cook that food, cook it good. Right. And now, and now I'm remembering Wild Wild West where um, Jim's eating the, or I forget what it was, the iguana. You want some? And Kevin Clay, no, I'm fine, really. No, I'm good. I had a big lunch. Yeah. <laughs> especially if it's... spitting out the, the, the scales and everything off yeah, the iguana. Especially <laughs> if it's Bob's iguana bits from Fallout 2. Oh, oh, okay. You don't want Bob's iguana bits. You don't want Bob's iguana bits. Unless, you know, you, you like a nice chilled Keontae and... It's yeah, Baba Bean. Yes, because yeah, I had because it. it's surprisingly Bob's iguana bits are actually made out of long pork. Long pork. Long pork. I I, I know what that means. If, if you I already ask, knew. I, I have to ask. I don't want to know. Uh, 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 it, it's the um, uh, it, it's 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 the cannibalist casserole. Oh jeez. Okay, here we go. I'm so. trying. See, I'm trying to keep this PG. <laughs> oh. All right. Anyways, so yeah, Bob Bob's iguana bits, and uh, you know, though arguably that's that's one way of finding safe food sources. But let's move on from there. Okay, so we're running out of time here, guys. So let's um, uh, we let, let's go over the mental attitude. Okay, positive mental attitude. Well, you know, it's 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 high tech. So I gotta say it, lithium. <laughs> wow. Uh, Quaaludes. No, no, we, we, we have to bring in the the words of former guest make, make, Eric. Make the make the, uh, make the uh, disclaimer, Trav. We here at Gaming on the Frontier podcast do not condone the use of of illegal drugs for any so, way psychoactive drugs for psychoactive drugs. Yeah. yeah. But no, also what Eric the Enabler used to say: pharmacology. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because there's lots and lots of drugs out there that are specifically designed to help you through trying times. And somehow, you know, traveling on a wilderness under these kinds of survival things, as long as it doesn't take your edge off too much, these things can be, these things literally can mean the difference between life and death. And here's the kicker. There's a lot of herbs and plants and whatnot that have this stuff naturally. I was going to say, just find yeah. Equivalent of coffee or tea, and get some caffeine. Well, it just you comes know. down to: Do you know how much of the active ingredient are in those things? Because you can overdose yourselves if you if you're not careful. Yeah, just, and what what what's the term they used also to find something to you know get a drug like effect? As I said, red dwarf. Oh yes, freaky fungus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, because fungus, as we're finding, you know, is finding out in the Last of Us. Uh, there's actually yeah. a ton of fungus out there that we have no idea what it does. And yeah. a few things that we do know what it does scares the hell out of us. Yeah, but no, it's like, or no, what was it Terry Pratchett said? Yeah, you can eat a poisonous, poisonous mushroom once. Yeah. <laughs> Again, fire, <laughs> water, stew, probably be yeah. okay. Now, if it's caught, oh, if, no. 
if it's concentrating, you know, like I say, you know, uh, chemicals that don't break down under that kind of thing, then then you got a problem. Uh, oh no, what what was the? There's the one drug and what psilocybin, I think it's called, mm. which is what makes you trip. Yeah. Well, psilo <laughs> means I know it's fungus. Yeah, but psy it's p s i l o c y b i n psilocybin. Okay, which refers to mind. Yeah. Yeah, so basically it's a, you know, wow, man, you're eating it and you're find out. You're, it's a mind-affecting fungus, that's what they're yeah, basically you're, saying. Yeah, you're, you're, you're tripping there near the campfire, you know, wanting to dive in. No, no, no. Um, no, what was it? Um, no, something you were talking about cooking and food and putting it together. There's something that they have and it was medieval. Perpetual stew is what they would have at, yes. like, a tavern. And oh, as yeah. long as you keep adding water, more bits, meat, vegetables, whatever, and you constantly keep that fire going... Temperature has to be 140 or 140, above. Yep, yep, 140 or above. And you, you, the same, the same, you know, you never have to worry about it being safe. Oh, yeah. You don't have to worry about being unsafe. Yeah. We have to worry about being unsafe. Yeah. It's basically just keep, keep it, just keep it going. Yeah. And yeah, that was the thing I was trying to find out. But no, um, yeah. As far as hunter gathering, yeah. If knowledge, either personal or computerized or if you have like a scout book if you're you know back in the old days and you have like a scout manual or a, like an old first aid manual or whatever yeah that those are your best bets if you got to forage hunt and gather because otherwise it's a crapshoot you just oh i ate this yeah there's a frog going and i fried it and you're you're or a fish, I bit into it, and you know, like you get, like you know, what what the, the Japanese, you got to take the vein out. Puffer fish, yeah, you end up getting one of those or something. Man, yeah, as as far as keeping up uh, mental attitude, um, you also have the options, like like we mentioned numbers time before, just having a, a campfire, yeah, mm -hmm. for aesthetic or any other like aesthetic decorative things you could mm -hmm. do in your camp, just right. to make it pretty, um, expanding your shelter. Yeah, as, yeah as turning it into a mansion as opposed to a cabin, and yeah, because you're sitting there, you're keeping busy. Yeah, yeah. and it's just you're you're if anything, it keeps your mind off of oh crap, I'm lost in the wilderness. Okay, if I work on this, it'll help me focus on something else for a while. Right. Oh, cool, my place is better. That'll help me be in a better mood while I'm here out alone, five thousand miles yeah. from home. And, right. and yeah. worst case scenario, if if you're again, since we're talking high tech, if you have nothing else you can think of doing you probably have a video game somewhere on some device <laughs> or just listening to music music can yeah is, is oh, yeah. known to to help raise your spirits and give you a better mental attitude and keep you alert and other things like that yeah i think you music they say yeah. is the only i think they say music is the only thing that activates all parts of the brain memory reasoning all of it every part of the brain music affects all of it yeah is that why i always get hungry <laughs> I was going to say something else, but okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All I right. See your Dude, I don't want to see your playlist then. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, Spotify then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, let's see. What else was there? Mental attitude. Um, there's something else there besides. Well, supposedly certain, uh, certain kinds of lighting are supposed to uh, either, are, are supposed to be good for you. Like, you know, um, blue lighting, I think it's supposed to be better for you than, uh, just straight pure white lighting. Um, I, I can't remember now, but you know, there's and of course they've been painting dr drunk tanks pink for the longest time because they thought that that would reduce aggression. Uh, and it's also mm. in mental hospitals they would 
all these pink walls and people wearing pink outfits. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know how much truth is in that in the long term, but I, I know they sold a lot of pink, you know, uh, at, at the, at the time because someone actually you know got that, that idea across. So yeah, you know, things like that. And of course, um, uh, you know, just knowing, you know, being competent, you know, uh, this isn't really high tech, but having the, the stuff that you need, like I say, like the databases, having the gear, having, you know, um, a plan, all those things help improve your mental attitude a lot more than you just wandering through the wilderness, hoping you don't die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So planning, intelligence, you know, intelligence is a, it's a two-edged sword because intelligence means you, you, you can figure out things to help you, but it also means you're acutely aware of how screwed you are. Yeah. So you could, I mean, habits are also, I think, from what I understand, useful. Like if you, if you, if you think you're going to be somewhere for a long term, like, you know, help is, you know, months or years away at best, you know, just having a, a getting yourself into a daily habit if nothing else help the time pass quicker without you noticing yeah okay from like eight to ten i will you know eat and then go look for food and from 11 to one i do this and from you know, one just to having three. a checklist of daily things you yeah go yeah 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 okay Eight. all right well uh that's the end of your list but it was nothing compared to my list uh, i went in a completely different route so um so, uh we're over our two hours i think we should just push ahead and, and get an extra uh, hour out of this or we can just pick up where we left off we can do this continue with your list next next okay session. i'm just not sure i, I have two hours worth on my next list but we can certainly try um but okay i think we can make maybe be able to stretch it out as well because there's something else I, I i would like to talk to in relation to this topic and and that would be okay. like all right like, well then we'll right. just go ahead and uh and and i'll i'll put a close on this and say uh, thanks everybody for listening to us. We went through Jonathan's uh, priorities of survival and uh, things that you high tech things you can do to uh, uh, achieve those those goals. Um, there's lots more that we're going to talk about in, in future episodes about specific solutions, specific problems, uh, and how uh, you know the height. High tech may not be the answer, but as I've always told everybody, there is no job that cannot be made more enjoyable with the application of power tools. So, <laughs> or as my old roommate said, if at first you don't succeed, next time try a bigger hammer. Mm, yeah. That, yeah. That's, that could be a corollary. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to us, and we'll have more for you next week, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying, there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.